The road we're on is paved in Garth. Come along on the journey. As we explore Garthology. Think of it more as a conversation. I like that. So if this is truly a conversation, then I say let the conversation begin. Shut up! everyone it's deb and i'm pete and i'm jess welcome back to another episode of garthology in today's episode we will continue our review of garth's eighth studio album titled scarecrow which was released in 2001 as garth discusses in anthology part two his scarecrow album came out at a time when CDs were on their way out and digital music or non-physical albums, meaning someone could buy music without buying a physical product, was really just starting out. Streaming, like that wasn't a word we used, but here we were. It was starting and it was then. So here's Garth going through all of these changes in his life, like we talked about before. He loses his mom. He goes through his divorce from Sandy. He knows he's going to retire to spend time with his girls while they grow up. Plus, how he sells his music is also changing. I mean, that's a lot to be experiencing all at one time. So knowing all of that is happening at the same time that he's recording Scarecrow, it's easy to imagine that all of that must have had an effect on the songs themselves during the writing and recording process. All of that information definitely gives me a greater appreciation for this album, that's for sure, because imagine everything he was going through, right? So keeping all that in mind, let's look at our next block of songs on the album, songs 7, 8, and 9 on the original release of Scarecrow. Remember, this is not the later release, but just the original release. Jess is going to start us off with song number 7. What do you got, Jess? Song number seven is Squeeze Me In. You got something going on at noon and night. But I got something here I think you're going to like. Honey, can you squeeze me in? Well, whoever said it's a man's world, don't know what he's talking about. You got me working around the clock. Squeeze Me In was a duet with Trisha Yearwood, and it was written by Delbert McClinton and Gary Nicholson. It clocks in at 3 minutes and 32 seconds. Although you may think that this is the original version of the song, it was actually a cover. The original version was released by Leroy Parnell for his 1995 album, We All Get Lucky Sometimes, and was the B-side to his 1996 single, Given Water to a Drowning Man. The Garth and Trisha version was released as the third single from Scarecrow and peaked at number two on Billboard's Hot Country Songs chart. The single earned Garth and Trisha a Grammy nomination in the Best Country Collaboration with Vocals category at the 45th Grammy Awards. However, Mendocino County Line by Willie Nelson and Leanne Womack won the award that year. As an aside, 
I freaking love that song. If you guys don't know it, because I know you didn't listen to a lot of yeah, like no, I don't other know music that was country besides Garth at the time. Go look up that song. So good. What what was it again? Mendocino County Line. Oh, I have heard it. Yeah, it is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I love yeah, that song. yeah. But I really love Willie Nelson. So I will check it out. In the anthology, Garth is quoted as saying that just when you think you've heard Trisha Yearwood do it all because she can sing it all. You stick her on a fun, upbeat, really live song, and you're going to get a totally different Trisha Yearwood. And Mark Kasteven says, honey, can you squeeze me in? Trisha and Garth are both so busy, it's sort of a real life thing. Probably actually happens. When can we have lunch? They've probably had this discussion a few times. And I agree. I think that that, the way they have the back and forth in that song, it's so natural. And it really is like, I'm sure they're like, uh, you know, between your cookbook and the kids and all the, you know, because life was a little bit different at the time that they were doing this song. But I'm sure now just as busy in different ways. But I'm sure they're constantly like, you know, when can our schedules work so we can have lunch or, you know, whatever. Honey, when can you squeeze me in? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, exactly. But I I love watching them perform this one live. I always felt like they have such a good time. They always have fun, I think, performing together. But this one just has an extra little bit of sass in it and, and fun that you don't get to see on other songs. So... That's what I think about that one. I would like to hear from Pete. What do you think about that one? Yeah, uh, so it is the, it's just an amazingly fun song. The opening to Squeeze Me In is real awesome, and I I just love everything about it. The way that the song rolls, it makes me think of getting up and like trying to learn how to swing dance for some reason. Like it has that tempo. The pace is amazing. It's upbeat, like I said, and just a ton of fun the way that he and Trisha just bounce off one another. Like Jess, like you said, it would seem so natural between the two of them because it's, uh, you know, it's almost like a relationship. Like, hey, you know, you're busy here. Like you were saying, it seems like a song that was made for the two of them. Uh, So when I when I listened to it, I just kept hearing the piano instrument in this song. And I think that's just like, there's certain things about certain songs that grab you. And when I listened to it for the research, I kept hearing that piano. And I, I really, I'm not a big piano guy. So to hear it in the song, it sounds pretty good. I love the lyrics. I guess you're not checking your message machine. Seems like you're never in. Honey, I got a hunch. If we could just do lunch, I can get your attention again. I think like that, it's just so cool that play on words and how it works out. It is a fun, fun song. It's one that I always turn up loud. I always I always turn it up louder and um, never one that I ever stop or, or take off the playlist. It, it's, it's just one of those fun songs. And I think it's at a perfect spot on this album. And Deb, what do you think? So Squeeze Me In is one of my favorite Garth and Trisha duets ever, like of all songs they've ever released. And I'm actually shocked to find out that it's a cover song for the very reason that you guys mentioned. This seems like it's their life story. So it shocks me that this was not something that was written specifically for them or about them. So yeah, it's very surprising. I think it's the perfect blend of sassy, playful lyrics and great danceable music. Like Pete said, you just want to dance to it. I'm sure at the time that it was released, the lyrics probably seemed a little suggestive. (laughs) Okay, you know, I can't even say that with a straight face. Because they're still suggestive today. A lot suggestive. A lot right? suggestive. I mean, come on, guys. They didn't um, help that along, though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if you've seen them perform it live. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's full on suggestive. So, but I think it's perfect for Garth and Trisha. Um, from an interview done in 2002, Delbert McClintock, who Jess mentioned was one of the songwriters, 
He was asked how it came to be that Garth and Trisha recorded this one. And Delbert stated that it came in the back door. Nobody pitched it to Garth. He heard it and he liked it and he recorded it. And as Trisha also stated in Anthology 2, they had already recorded in another size, which is so serious, like the exact opposite of this. So it was just pure fun, she said. Of recording it with Trisha, Garth said, she beat me so bad I came in third. (laughs) (laughs) And I just love that quote. It just cracks me up. Bo loves that quote, too. It cracks Bo up, too. (laughs) I have to agree with Garth on this one. I think Trisha proves again that she's just a powerhouse singer. Even on this fun song, she soars, she growls. She just really stands out in this song. I mean, I love me some Garth, but Trisha owns this song. She just does for me. I think the music on this is so good. It's one of those duets that I don't think I've ever heard them perform live. But I'd love to hear it if they did it live. So if there's video out there, I want to see it because I could just see them singing this one and having so much fun with it in front of a live audience. I think it would be great. I think it would just take their duet singing live to a whole nother level. So I'm voting that this one gets put in the live set rotation yesterday. I love it. I want it to be in the next live show I see. So I, something that Pete said made me think, I wanted to mention too, and this is not not only true for this song, but it made me think of it specifically because we're talking about this song, but this is one of those that kind of like a few of the lyrics have slightly morphed over the years. And remember back in the day when it first came out, it was like, um, I've been faxing you love notes all day long and you don't ever fax me back. And (laughs) it's kind of changed over the years too. I've been sending you love notes all day long and you ain't sending nothing back. And I love that that there's just little things that change some of it for the times, but some of it just because, you know, people sing it differently over the years. And and then stop it, it, please. And then it will become whatever it is that they've decided to sing it as, you know, over the years. But I thought that was interesting, not only for this song, but it made me think of it and I wanted to mention it. I think the next variation should be, I'm be- I've am i been texting you, love, yeah. love, Yeah, love. there you go. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Do you have your don't disturb turned on or something like that? <laughs> Do not disturb turned on. Yes, something like that. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up for Squeeze Me In. Can we move on to song number eight now? And Pete has that one. Pete, what do you got for us? Yeah, I get song number eight off the record, Mr. Midnight. Imagine my surprise when she spoke my name. She said, could you tell him that I love him and I wish things could be the same in a voice I never knew. So, honey, who are you talking Mr. Midnight was written by J.R. Cobb, Buddy Bowie, and Tom Douglas. I did not see that it was released as a single, and it never charted for Garth. In the anthology, it states that this song was written about a disc jockey. Buddy and Junior were in a group named The Classic Five, and Tom was a major Nashville songwriter. So with that information, 
obviously I checked around and going back to how I feel on the song and I'll get back to it. I love the song. I love the story and the lyrics, but what I really, really love about it is Garth mentions in the anthology himself, like we talk about how we love that the lyrics get us in the feels. It puts us right in the exact spot of the story and we're able to create our own story in our mind with the song and the lyrics. Garth in the anthology states that the lyric does it. The music does it. It just brings you right to the scene. And I love that the music and the lyrics have the same effect on these musicians as it does for us, like we talk about. And that really, really caught my attention. As far as the story of the song, I mean, come on. The conversation between a DJ and this caller, again, it is. It's that story that just sits there. Like, I can see myself sitting here in this chair listening to the radio and this guy, this DJ, and then this girl calling in. They share a past relationship, and he cannot stop thinking about it while playing all of these other requests for the people who are now reliving past memories from their own relationships, and they're dedicating or requesting these songs for him to play. Then this lady calls, and he knows right away that it's her. It's, it's this past relationship that he constantly thinks about, and you know he's wanting to tell her that, that it's him, and then all of a sudden she speaks his name. But yet in the background, there's another man voice that comes on and says, who, honey, who are you talking to? Like the story just goes and goes and goes. The Garth in the anthology says like, this is one of the best storytelling songs because of how well the lyrics in this song tell the story. You, you really, from start to finish on this song, can continue to go on and on and on about it. There was a lot of talent uh, in the writers in the song. It is a song that... When it comes on, it, it does. It kind of catches your feels. And like I noticed myself, like when I was listening to it, I'd listen to it and listen to it. And then I noticed today when I went to work, I turned it on, like just to listen to it again, because I hadn't heard it in so long. So I was pretty, pretty excited about it. I love it. And I can keep going on for it. But Auntie, what are your thoughts on this one? So for me, this song always reminds me of being young because when I was a teenager, hearing a song request on the radio was like a regular thing. That just happened all the time. Like, I don't think that's really a thing anymore so much as it was then. And, you know, late night shows were a thing then. People would call in, request a song. I did it myself many times. And then you sit there with your cassette recorder and you're ready to hit record as soon as the DJ starts with your request and you're like waiting and waiting and you're like, that's not mine. And then so you can't hit record. And then you finally, it comes on and you miss the first part. And so, I mean, like kids today... They never did that. Like, that's not a thing. But when I was young, and so I'm totally dating myself, that is what we did. We just did that. So I did it when I was young. Then in my early 20s, I helped out at Kiss FM radio station in LA. And I was the one taking those requests of people calling in late at night. And so you can imagine this story means a lot to me. It brings back a lot of memories for me. As for the song itself... The music in Mr. Midnight is really good. It's sort of bluesy and sad, which I think fits the story perfectly. I think Garth just sounds so sad in this. And I guess, well, taking it back to what I talked about in the intro of this episode, it's I'm sure it was everything that was going on in his life at the time. So it's understandable that he sounds sad, but that makes me sadder when I listen to it. So I think it's another great story song. Like Pete said, his story songs are awesome. I think the lyrics in this song are pretty typical for a you know, sad story song. 
until you hit that for that third verse. And when you do, and you find out that the DJ, you know, recognizes the caller, like Pete said, and it turns out the caller is the person that the DJ is sad about, and she misses him too. And then you hear the other voice say, who is that? Like all of that just totally flips this into a story that I think isn't traditional. It's not just that sad song that comes on and the person's boohooing the whole time. So I think it it's just, oh, it gets you right in the feels. It super hurts my heart, but it also brings back a lot of memories. So for me, it's it's kind of a standard ballad, but but has a twist at the end, which I which I really, really like. It's not my favorite song on the album, but those twists in the story, I think, really notches up the story writing for me. So I appreciate that and the memories that it gives me. So that's kind of what I get from this. What about you, Jess? What do you got? Okay, so you're talking about the call-in radio shows and trying to record your requests in 17. Totally think of, I didn't call in a lot. We did a little bit whenever I was younger, but what it really made me think of was I used to listen to Delilah at night to sleep because it was a call-in radio show and it was like love songs. And I can't actually sleep with music on anymore because I'll lay there and sing it and I won't go to sleep. But when I was younger, I always slept with music on. I couldn't sleep with silence. And so I would sleep to Delilah because it was all just kind of slow love songs. And it was totally these kind of stories. It was just these like, you know, obviously it wasn't the DJ. <laughs> maybe maybe something like that happened with Delilah, but I didn't hear that episode. But uh, it was people calling in for, you know, lost loves or because they were remembering somebody or whatever. And it, it totally brings back the memory of those old shows. And you're right. Like, they don't really maybe like the satellite radio stations or something late at night have something like that. But I don't think kids listen to those things anymore or even like, you know, high school age kids or but uh, I don't envy them that they missed out on that. because it was a pretty great thing. And this song touches on that a little bit. But. It is like both of you said, it's just a great story song. And I love it for that. I always kind of get into the story when I'm listening to it. I love the part of the song at the chorus when it says, I'm Mr. Midnight alone in blue. I just like the way that it hits that moment um, melodically, I guess, because it's not even really the lyric. It's just the way he's singing it in those moments. And it is very sad and you can hear the emotion and the voice and I love that. But this is actually one of my favorite songs. I really do love it. And I know we've talked about it before briefly in one of our other shows. I don't remember now which one it was, but I'm sure I said then that I loved it so much and I still love it so much now. (laughs) That's all I got to say about it for right now because you guys covered it so well, though. Yeah, yeah. In my mind, it's a good one. So uh, that will wrap it up for song eight and then we'll pass it over to Aunt Deb for song number nine. What do you got? Song number nine on Scarecrow is Pushing Up Daisies. My mother died, but somehow she keeps living. She'll never cease to amaze me. My dad turns his back on each day that he's given. Cause he'd rather be pushing up daisies. There's two legs in time and they'll carve on your stone And everyone knows what they mean Pushing Up Daisies was written by John Hadley, Gary Scruggs, and Kevin Welch. It comes in at 4 minutes and 19 seconds. So in Anthology Part 2, one of the songwriters, Kevin Welch, 
mentioned that he actually had different songs and Garth kind of threw them together to come up with Pushing Up Daisies. He took little bits from each song. He added in a couple of lines of his own and they ended up with a whole new song. And to me, that's just crazy when you think about it, that you can take different songs, different people wrote and put it all together, come up with this whole new song. But it's not surprising when you think about Garth because he has the ability. It's like he has this innate ability when it comes to music to just turn something on its ear. And I think that's one of the reasons why he has been as successful as he's been, because he's just amazing with music, like the actual art of music is just something he's so in tune with that he can just do something like that. For this song, I love this song. I think it's a great sentiment, um, especially the line about the dash in between. To me, it means so much. Our lives from when we are born until we die, those two instances aren't what matters. What matters is that little dash in between. So I think that this is a really good song when it comes to that. It makes me sad when I think about the line about Garth's dad that's in this song and how he'd rather be pushing up daisies because his wife is gone. That makes me sad for him and for Garth. But I think the song overall, it touches my heart. I think it's a beautiful song, but it does make me sad. So Jess, what do you think about pushing up daisies? I really do like this song. I never knew the story behind it, that it was from different songs. I can kind of see the way the the lyrics are broken down into little different sections. Cause they're like you said, there's the little part about the mom and the dad. Um, and then there's a part about like the protagonist, I guess, of the songs love. And then the beginning is kind of separate from, from that as well. And then also the, the chorus, which you talked about where the two dates and time that are carved on your stone and then the dash in between, and they're all brilliant, but they are kind of, separate and then the song the dash kind of brings them together each individual story they're like vignettes that come together in a single song my favorite part actually and the the line that always gets me and gets my attention when i hear it is actually the one that you didn't talk about and it's the the couplet i guess that says sometimes my heart is as true as a dove but sometimes my heart it betrays me so i draw my sword for to fight for my love but without a whisper she slays me and just always, I loved that line. It was so poetic to me. And the other parts are beautiful as well. But there was something just especially poetic about those lines to me and always stayed with me. But I love each part. And I am truly amazed that he was able to bring that together as one song because knowing the the story behind that and how it came together now is just even more... Um, I'm always in awe of him, but certain things always tend to kind of grab me and surprise me all over again. And that's one of those things. I'm I'm surprised he was able to do that and then not surprised at the same time. What do you think about this one, Pete? Yeah, I mean, pushing up daisies, It's it, my thoughts on it are very simple and a lot like what you guys had to say. Uh, it wasn't a song that I was very familiar with, but when I listened to it, it really caught my attention pretty quick. It almost has that Ireland music or instrument to it. Yes. And I love Ireland. Like, I love the song Ireland. So it caught me really quick while doing research. And then I continued to listen to it and listen to it. I've read a lot about it in the anthology. And, you know, for that time in Garth's life and and the the value and the meaning of this song and what it meant for Garth, um, obviously, is very special. But Aunt Deb brought it up and is... 
the one thing about this whole song that caught my attention. The fact that there were two songs from three other writers that Garth took, mashed it all together, and then he had to make sure to ask for permission from each of them before he was able to release it. So he asked them all of them. They all show up, right? They have this get together. There's kids involved where, you know, there are these three guys are involved at a certain time. They show up and they all had to listen to what they have or how he turned the song into it. And then he got the blessing from all of them to release it as the song that he took and mashed up from the other ones. And the fact that they all, they understood the importance of this song to Garth and how he ended up turning this song out. You know, it was the importance of Garth about his mom and the intent to his father. They allowed him to release it that way. And I thought that that was super cool. So the the meaning behind the song and the way that it came about, I think that it'll always be uh, something that I remember. And I think it's got to be very special to Garth. So yeah, what a great song. Good, good, good song. It is a good song. And now that you mention it, it does have kind of like a, almost a folk song feel to it in some yeah. ways. Some of the music feels that way a little bit. So Yep. Great job, Garth. It's a good one. You did a great job mashing those songs together. I don't know how you did it, but there you go. Proving you're a genius once again. Yeah. All right, everyone. That's it for this episode. The third part of our Scarecrow review, finishing songs seven, eight, and nine. We're close to finishing this album up. And I think we can all agree that Scarecrow is definitely more introspective for Garth. Most of his his albums maybe don't go this deep into him. And I think this one, it's pretty clear that by this point in his career, he had grown a lot as a person and as an artist. And I think this album reflects that. He'd gone through a lot, and I think we see it all here. That's my thoughts overall. We will continue our review of Scarecrow again in a future episode. Have you checked out our website at Garthology.com yet? If not, stop by today, check out our past episodes and bonus content. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Hey, it's been a while since someone reviewed us on Apple Podcasts. So if you get a chance, stop by there. If you listen on Apple, hit that five-star button and encourage others to listen. And then be sure and share us with everyone you know. That way you can help your Friends in Low Places become Garthologists too. Yeah. And speaking of Friends in Low Places, if you guys are on social media, you can find us at facebook.com backslash GarthologyCast. If you're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, we are at GarthologyCast there. We do appreciate the messages, the likes, tweets, retweets, all of the shares, and all of the interaction. We love it. So if you guys want to continue to do that, we definitely love the support and we thank you guys for that in the future. You can hear new episodes of Garthology on the 7th, 17th, and 27th of each month. So please join us for our next episode. Until then, thanks for joining us for another episode of Garthology. And I'm Deb. I'm Pete. And I'm Jess. Bye. Bye. Uh, Bye, everybody. (laughs) Bye, everyone. And remember, love will always win. Okay.
Well, it was this one or the potty book, so at least he picked the animal sound and not the toilet flushing. (laughs) (laughs) Song number seven. (laughs) 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 We can see got down and walked around the whole time you were talking. And then it was like my turn. He came and sat back beside me with the book. And we have music to dance to. (laughs) That should be our outro music. (laughs) But was like, bye. 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 Say it, Uncle. Say it. (laughs)